It's wonderful to have you here this morning. I think you'll recognize these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. <clears throat> and no, you didn't miss it. We didn't read that earlier, but uh, I wanted you to hear these well-known words from what's called the love chapter, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Uh, I think they've been important since they were written, but for our journey as Christians, I think they're important words for us to hear to remind us of the very nature and essence of God. It's also good to hear them because they're integral for any of the best relationships that we have to keep our bearings set. As I think of these words, I'm particularly mindful of the times and too many times in my own life that I've gotten myself off course in faith, sometimes not even realizing that I've done it. And these words about love being patient and kind uh, come back to me as I evaluate where I am. Boy, the irritable and resentful ones really get me. Can you be irritable and resentful? Goodness, not a peep. I guess not. I can. Early in my life, I heard many Bible teachers and preachers declare that mainline or mainstream denominational seminaries, including all of the Episcopal seminaries, were in fact cemetery. They called them cemeteries. Because if you went to those places, it was a faith death sentence. Their theology was void of life. It was void of truth. Now, I was young. This is what I was being taught. So I heard this. I listened. I inwardly digested these words. I ordered my life for many years in alignment with this faith proclamation. Well, there's a phrase for situations like this. Misguided or misplaced loyalties. I had misplaced my loyalties and the things that I thought that I had heard. And if you want a biblical example of this, you can think of um, the golden calf, right? They're coming out uh, and believe they're doing something right. Let's assemble this golden calf so that we can worship. But they had misplaced their loyalties, well-intentioned, but off course. And it happens to all of us. It happens in our faith. It happens in our business and political dealings. It happens within our relationships. It even happens in our leisure activities and allegiances. I still cannot, for the life of me, understand how anyone can be a Texas A&M Aggie fan. <laughs> Misguided loyalty. I mean, do you know what you get when you cross an Aggie football player and a groundhog? 
six more weeks of bad football. <laughs> Is Bill Camp here? So, from our reading this morning, Paul gets some troubling news from Corinth. Chloe's family is saying, hey, the good folks here are arguing. I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Cephas, I belong to Christ. So we've got another instance of misplaced loyalties. Uh, These believers are, are kind of aligning and dividing in different places. And while I don't know this for certain, I suspect that the bickering factions here have no real sense of what they're doing. I don't think they realize they're misplacing uh, their loyalty. They may be defending a portion of theological faith that they find important, but I suspect what's uh, more at play here is emotionally they feel connected to the leaders who baptize them. And this has become so important that they're dividing into different camps. And I love what Paul's response is. I'm really glad I didn't baptize hardly any of you people because y'all have lost it, right? Here's a couple, and I also love this because it shows that clergy can be forgetful. He goes, oh yeah, I also was at Stephanus' house, but I don't remember if I baptized anybody else. And we get people that come up and say, you remember you baptized Jimmy 15 years ago. And I'm like, Jimmy, hallelujah. You know, I don't remember who I baptized, but that's awesome. (laughs) But Paul, he acknowledges, he's like, wow, you know, I'm, I don't want to be in this. And it's why I opened uh, this morning with these words of the love chapter about love being patient and kind. It's not envious or boastful. Well, thank God this is the nature of God because we can be a mess. Our loyalties can get misplaced. And... I'm so grateful that we have a God who is patient and kind and not resentful and hopes all things as it comes to my life. Now, certainly we don't want to be messy. We have good intentions. I think our desires are likely rooted at least in part of those desires we see in the gospel reading of Andrew, Peter, James, and John to hearken the call to follow Christ. Follow me. And we want to, we do, and we start our journey. And along the way, invariably, we connect with different people. We might read particular books, different uh, relationships get involved, and some of these connections impact us in a minimal way, but other times it's significant, and we can misplace our loyalties and get off track. It happens. Well, our prayerful hope Our aim, certainly, here at St. George's as clergy and ministry staff leaders is to endeavor to always point your gaze toward Jesus. And you would be smart to respond, well, wouldn't every single clergy person say that? Well, of course they would, but here's what I mean more particularly. We want to always point your gaze toward Jesus because he is defined as being patient and kind, not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. This is God's nature. Jesus does not insist on his own way. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, 
endures all things. If that's not where we are pointing your gaze, then we've made a mistake. If following Christ ever leads us into arenas of oppression and violence and exploitation, we have certainly misplaced our loyalties. Well, this morning, Jesus continues the call. Follow me, because this is not a one-time proclamation or proposition. Jesus invites us into a living communion, something alive and dynamic. Why? Because you're changing. Your relationships are changing. Yes, God never changes, but the context of your life changes. The world is changing. So we are invited into a living communion because our life is dynamic. And he wants us to become as integral to us as the air we breathe, that we recognize the face of God in these things of being patient and kind and not resentful, and especially when we're struggling. You know, the answer, the, uh, well, the answer's fine. The answer to Jesus' call to follow him is not so difficult when he's standing in a flowery meadow and there's a picnic in the middle of the place. Easy. But when the call comes and the storm clouds are gathering and the path looks like it runs right into a foreboding forest or into a valley in which the shadows are as dark as death, it's harder to answer the call. I'd rather just curl up and go to bed. But what Jesus knows is that where we're headed for love's sake and for my sake, is not around. It's through. Follow me. Following Jesus as our parents age, as we age. Following Jesus as the markets rise and fall when politics makes us crazy. Not when, as politics makes us crazy. Following Jesus when information overload weighs us down because we've assumed this pressure on ourselves that if we can just get to these three parenting articles, this podcast about healthy diet, a few programs related to priorities and boundaries and how I can set them in my life, and this helpful book that Aunt Martha sent me about life at a post-Christian America, well, then I'll be more fully equipped to follow Jesus. It's coming at us. All these helpful suggestions. I don't believe our journey to wholeness demands that we download more and more and more content. The call to follow Jesus is not as simple as downloading a new iOS operating system. If you have your iPhone, it sits there and it says, Tonight, I'm going to give you the new operating system. Fine. It updates, and the next day it's different. It's not the way that it was, and it doesn't change. But boy, that's not our lives, is it? The faith that we lead is not a new operating system that just changes overnight. It's a dynamic relationship More information, yes, it can be helpful, but it can become an overwhelming distraction, a misguided loyalty. Following Jesus 
in bright days, through dark nights, wondering, having no idea how this morning maybe one of my daughters is coping with life and mental health. But the call to follow, keeping the beautiful and loving character and nature of God ever before me. A living communion that encompasses the entirety of my life. The mess, there's plenty of it. The little bits where I might have gotten it right. But the rest of my life, which usually I try to posture so you don't see, but there's a storm brewing inside. We're all fighting those battles. But invited into a communion where he accepts every bit of this. I've not failed in following. Life is not pass-fail. The dynamic communion, which is messy. Well, this is exactly, and in fact, I think it's the only arena in which we follow Him.